0: Bidzi Small Business Society, number 169. You're listening to Bidzi Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzi Small Business Society at bidzi.com and grow your business. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99, that's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at Bidzy.com. Email rob at Bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at Bidzy.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today I am joined by one of my oldest and dearest friends, Cohen Flock. Cohen is a professional tattooer and owner of Paradigm Tattoo Company. He combines an adventurous attitude towards life, which has taken him to virtually all corners of the world for various reasons, with pragmatic and shrewd business sense to create a truly enviable lifestyle. Welcome, Cohen. Glad we could connect for this episode today. Can you tell us more about yourself and what projects you're working on today?
1: Thanks, for all this. quite the intro. Um, <laughs> what am I working on today? I mean... At the moment, I just run a, you know, private studio, appointment-based project, all of that kind of stuff, um, and I'm in the process of moving to Victoria, so that's going to be a big shift, kind of taking my established business in one spot and beginning anew again in a few months, so yeah, that's kind of at the forefront of my mind right yeah, now. So-
0: Talk about, man, what's happening in Vancouver right now, or what's happening with you that sort of prompted the move to Victoria.
1: I mean, primarily, it's uh, it's the housing market and just the price, the cost of living here, right? It's uh, I've been here for a decade, and everyone's just kind of getting priced out. It seems most friends of mine kind of in the, in the age group of, you know, settling down, getting married, having kids, everyone's kind of leaving, so... <laughs> we're just following that trend.
0: So what's happening? I guess like I see it on my social feed. I see it in the news. It's it's primarily, is it foreign investment in Vancouver? Is that what's happening? Or
1: I think that's a portion of it. I mean, you'll get statistics skewed either way, depending upon the argument, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, trying to buy a home here is not even in the question. And I feel like I do pretty well, so... <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's talk about tattooing. So besides Cohen having an artistic ability, what does someone need to do to become a professional tattooer? What does that process really look like?
1: Well, I mean, everyone, I feel like everyone's process of getting into tattooing ends up being somewhat different. So all I can end up doing is kind of telling my story of how I got into it. I mean, I guess at the beginning, yeah, I had the artistic talent. I was the the kid drawing goal, goalies in grade four and, uh, you know that kind of fosters itself. Everyone around you is like, "Oh, that's the that's the artist in class." So you you do more of it. You do more of it, and you kind of put in your ten thousand hours at a very early age, where you don't uh, don't actually look at it as work, I guess. So yeah, I went to university for fine arts, studied painting, printmaking, sculpture, all of that fun stuff, um, and then got into massive student loan debt, <laughs> which took me to Taiwan to teach English. So as I was there, I ended up getting a lot of tattoos from one particular artist. Uh, his name is Diao An, and he's in Kaohsiung, Taiwan. And just in the process of getting tattooed by him, I think the, the pieces started to come together. Hey, I love tattoos. I love art. Maybe I should pursue this, right? So... At that point, I think I was starting to believe I was too old to start tattooing. Um, most people I knew seemed to start when they're nineteen, twenty, and are already pretty established by their mid twenties. Whereas I didn't start until I was in my late twenties, and uh, Dianne was pretty, you know, confident and inspirational. I guess in in saying like, if you want to do this, just just do it. So. I spent the final year while I was there, I mean I I hung out in his shop a lot. I drew copious amounts. I tried to put together a portfolio more aimed at technical ability rather than the abstract type stuff I was doing before then. And once I returned to Canada, then I just shopped myself around found a position as shop help, which so is
0: what does that mean exactly, When you shop yourself around? You're walking around the streets of Vancouver looking for tattoo shops with your portfolio in hand, is that right? Or
1: pretty much, yeah. I had two portfolios of drawings and then I basically had a list of tattoo shops and kind of, you know, somewhat by taste and who I thought might be a good fit, I ended up going to I think I only went to four or five studios, and one of the days I went to the shop fun house, and Art, the owner, wasn't there, and then the next day I was just walking past the studio, no intention of going back in, and one of the guys ran out and said, hey, Art's here, you should come in, and just that kind of chance encounter, went back in, spoke with Art, and I'd say within a few weeks of that meeting, I had a position as shop help, which is basically doing all of the things in a tattoo shop but not tattooing so you're you're the gopher you're getting people lunch you're running out for coffee you're scheduling appointments you're dealing with people at the front desk you're doing all of the cleaning the sterilization kind of all of the all of the work that a tattoo artist may not want to do particularly and uh yeah, so that's kind of your entry point, I think, for most people. You're yeah,
0: sorry, I just want to stop you here. Is there anything in that uh, gopher phase that made you want to quit and do something else, or were you just fully committed at that point?
1: I think I had, I had that kind of goal in mind, so I was, I was pretty willing to, to go through that stage. I mean, it is, it can be a little strange. I mean, I was, yeah, close to thirty years old, and I'm and I'm running errands, right? Like I'm running and getting coffee at the drop of a hat or or what have you. So you're going to swallow your pride a little bit and uh, look at the bigger picture as opposed to the moment, I guess. So it was a fairly quick process. Like I, I was shop help there for eight months, I believe. And at the time, sure, it seemed like it might've been dragging on, but really that's a that's a pretty short span right so yeah then you're, you're, you're doing shop help and beyond that I guess that turns into an apprenticeship whenever someone above you decides okay let's let's pursue this and so with me for the apprenticeship uh, one of the guys at the shop Jeremy he was planning on leaving and opening his own studio and we got along so once he did that, I kind of went along with him and I think we both helped each other out, you know. Um, I helped him kind of set up his new place while he was still tattooing at the old one and uh, was still kind of, I guess, that that shop help gopher. But uh, within a few months of him opening, I I became the apprentice, I suppose. Um, So yeah, once you're doing that, (laughs) then you've got the stress of, of uh, learning more about tattoo machines and making needles and a little more hands-on getting edging closer towards the actual tattoo process and then all of a sudden you have someone's skin in front of you and you kind of have that uh, oh shit <laughs> what's next here right and then yeah so then the, the uh, apprenticeship I mean it's kind of a there's never really a stated timeline for that either I think uh For the most part, it's the unwritten kind of rule of you give the shop three years that you start in and that should somewhat pay back, you know, for your for your education in tattooing. So, yeah, within I think less than a year, I had done my first couple of tattoos and it was over a year before I was doing uh, like tattoos people were paying for. And then it starts out slow and hopefully compounds upon itself and you get more business as the years roll by.
0: It might be a pretty typical story too, again, just looking around for you know that shop that's willing to take you in. That might be uh, fairly typical. Is
1: that right? Or- I think so. I mean, I think a lot of it... Or it's yeah, maybe, it's it's maybe far po- better. all political or nepotism could be too, right? or? Definitely. I think a good way of edging in is uh, getting tattooed by someone that you want to learn from. developing a bit of a relationship in that regard and then and then kind of pursuing it I mean I think some of the things I thought were a detriment were actually a good thing like being a bit older having a lot of tattoos and having kind of uh an art background I think those all helped me get in pretty quickly whereas if I was 19 I'm I don't know if, if they would have taken me as seriously sure right
0: yeah. No, that's, uh, those are good uh, tools, I guess, if we're talking to an aspiring tattoo artist. Absolutely. I have a couple questions uh, based on some of the info you gave us. There. Is there anything you want to share about art and uh, the Funhouse Shop and the Godoy brothers?
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, The Godoys are definitely characters. They're from uh, down in California, former professional skateboarders. I'm pretty sure they were in rolling stone magazine like in the 80s they had their own skateboard brand they're they should have books on tape they're definitely (laughs) uh some some interesting and hilarious fellows
0: (laughs) i think we both know a little more detail on that but we'll just leave it at that for (laughs) now and uh, let our listeners do their own research so um now is there anything memorable about that
1: very first tattoo that you laid on skin Um, I mean, it was not great and it was just (laughs) astoundingly stressful, even though it was, it was about as simple as could be. It was the letter A with a little tiny wing beside it. And it was probably about the size of a toonie, but, uh, yeah, Jeremy came in that morning and said, you're going to tattoo me tonight. And so I had all day to, uh, stress myself out about it. (laughs) And and think about, you know, what can go wrong and all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, that's imprinted in my mind for sure. Like something that would take two minutes and I wouldn't even think about now how it was uh, quite a huge deal at the time, right?
0: So we'll be jumping around here a little bit, Cohen. I just want to extract as much value as I can out of you while I have you here. So in your opinion, what has contributed to the meteoric growth in tattooing in the past, say, decade or so?
1: I mean, I'm sure there's lots of factors. Um, definitely one of them would be media, right? I, I I don't know if you know, I'm sure we'd begrudgingly admit that things like Miami Inc. and LA Inc. and all of those you can you can take what you want from them, but uh, suddenly something that was a lot more behind closed doors was part of part of the public perception, right? So I think, you know, the the stereotype of the, the biker and the dirty tattoo shop and all of that kind of stuff, suddenly it's, it's, it's on TV. So therefore, therefore it's way cooler and, and everyone can access it. Right. So I think that has a, a factor. I also think, I mean, just the, the quality of work is <clears throat> bizarre. <laughs> like I, I look at my Instagram feed and I feel pretty shitty about (laughs) my tattoos, even though (laughs) I feel like I'm doing all right. But you look at what, what's being produced around the world and, and yeah, I I think that's probably a part of, you know, you're getting quality work from so many sources. So it makes more sense. More people want that, I suppose. And, and I think that's also the perception of it has changed. So you're getting art school kids and, And people with a firm art background getting into tattooing as opposed to that more seedy underbelly that maybe it was associated with 20 years ago or something.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of great work out there. And, Cohen, you're absolutely being humble. And I would urge everybody who's listening to this right now to go to CohenFlock.com to have a look for themselves. Cohen, you're doing absolutely fantastic work, man.
1: Thanks, Rob. (laughs) It's come a long ways in the last few years.
0: (laughs) So... As a tattoo shop owner, what are you most worried about on a day-to-day basis?
1: I mean, on a day-to-day, um, my life has become pretty stress-free. Um, it's it's pretty stable. Like, uh, I, I suppose. I mean, it's it's always the quality of work, right? I think I think having that driving factor is is what keeps you going. Like, once you're once you're established, you're not kind of out there seeking clients at strange bars and handing out business cards or something like that, you know, once, once you're established, I, I would hope the thing that keeps you going is, is that idea of, of seeking like a higher level. I mean, if you, have you seen the documentary Jiro dreams of sushi? I
0: have seen it. Yes.
1: There's a bizarre example of seeking perfection, right? At kind of all costs. It's, it's, I'm not to that degree, definitely, but uh, I mean, I guess there there's always a, a, a small fear in the back of your head. I was talking to my partner, Lauren, about this last night, where you're, you're always thinking like feast and famine, like, oh, the work's there, I better take it, I better work more, I better bank these hours in this cash and all of that kind of stuff, because somewhere in me even though i've been tattooing for the better part of a decade there's there's a small part of me that feels like oh shit what if nobody wants to get tattooed anymore <laughs> right <laughs> so so you just keep on taking on more and and trying to pump out as many projects not sacrificing the quality but maybe sacrificing a lot outside of of business and life i suppose putting more time into it but in the end that's it's not that bad of a thing, doing something you love and, and trying to do it well, right?
0: So what would some of those other sacrifices be?
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing is time, right? So of course there's there's the time in the tattoo shop, there's the time actually being with clients and tattooing. So I mean, <clears throat> most of my days I'm I'm there at ten thirty and I'm leaving at about seven thirty eight and uh so it's an average day, a little bit longer, I suppose. But beyond that, then there's all of the stuff behind the scenes, right? So there's all of the drawing time. There's all of the <clears throat> the emailing to clients. There's the scheduling. There's the consultations. There's you know, I do my own <clears throat> bookkeeping. I, I'm kind of I'm a receptionist, an accountant, a an illustrator like all of these positions behind the actual hours of tattooing so that definitely butts into general life
0: (laughs) yeah just that uh, a lot of moving parts that sort of uh contribute to that final product that you're posting on instagram or you're posting online right
1: Mm Mm-hmm. totally totally yeah so yeah i think that's kind of the the main sacrifice i would think is there's there's just so many other things that you'd love to be pursuing. And some days you got to look out and see the sunny day in the beautiful city I live in and uh, sit at the drawing table for eight hours. So it's not, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world, definitely. But, you know, we all we all should have have some relaxation at points, I would think. Absolutely.
0: Now, Cohen, what specific challenges did you face in your business that you think might resonate with our listeners that um, work across all areas of small business?
1: Uh, I mean, I think developing a clientele definitely, and and uh, just kind of riding out the the sparse times at the beginning. I, I would think. I mean, I I don't know particularly, but I would assume most small businesses starting out are uh, aren't going to be as profitable and viable at the beginning. So somehow managing to kind of ride those first two or three years and And get through it to a point where you are established. I think looking at the the longer term rather than the day to day, that's uh, I would assume that's a challenge for most people getting into whatever field they're looking to to break into.
0: How did you do it, Cohen? How did you actually build that clientele? that uh, loyal base of
1: customers? Um, I think it's just by by doing the work, right? It's especially, I can only speak for tattooing, right? So, Um, having an online presence was super important to me at the very beginning. Um, Tattoo Union was a second floor shop, so it's not as though we really had foot traffic just wandering in. So I kind of was forced into the position of having to, to seek out that clientele immediately. So having a good, easily accessible website at the time was, was primary, um, And I did get a fair bit of business from that, even, even with what I would consider a fairly weak portfolio, I was still attracting clients in that way. And then once you have them, I think as long as you treat them well and, and, and with respect and give them what they're, what they're asking for, hopefully they're going to come back and then they're going to tell their friends and it just compounds upon itself in that regard. Um, I'd say the majority of my clientele today is either repeat or word of mouth. So each person, you know, there are a few clients I have that I can trace 20 people back to just from that one person I tattooed. So they'll see the work on their friend they get a tattoo. Then their friend sees it, they get a tattoo and it just kind of goes on down the line. So, yeah, retaining clients I think is as big as as getting them in in my field for sure.
0: Now let's talk more about your clients. What can a client do before, during, or and or, sorry, I should say, what can a client do before, during, and after a tattoo to maximize the experience for both you and themselves?
1: What can a client do? Um, I mean, let's see. I guess my my ideal client is going to be someone with with kind of balance and trust I guess so, so the balance part would be knowing what they want but not being so strict about it that I'm redundant in the process right so if someone comes in and they have an idea for a tattoo they want and it's micromanaged beyond belief then I might as well not be there right so if they're if they're telling me the exact position and the exact size and, and everything about the image they're wanting, I'm just the robot kind of doing what they say. Whereas ideally what I'd like is, is if you have kind of the bare bones, the skeleton of like, I want these three elements and and here's the general style and uh, go with it. Right. So I think I've, I've gotten to a point with tattooing now where for the most part, people are coming to me because they see something that they like that I'm doing. And so they do want a part of me in it. So I'd say the vast, vast majority of my clients now are in that realm where they'll kind of come in for a consultation. We'll discuss it. We'll trace out the area. And then I'll see them in six months and they, they don't really stress out about it or, or try to micromanage beyond that, and and just that kind of surprise once they get there, and and hopefully satisfaction with what I've what I've drawn up for them. So that would be the before um, during a tattoo, I suppose. Uh, internalizing your your struggle, I guess, is uh, always appreciated <laughs> on my end. If you. You know, if you're you're vocalizing and I get it once in a while, it's like, oh, that spot hurts or, oh, that's that's different. Sure, we all do that. But uh, if you're giving me a play-by-play for, for four hours of tattooing, <laughs> it's not going to go well for either of us, right? You know, so we all know it sucks. We all know it's uh, not exactly comfortable, but I'm pretty sure we can all get through it. So putting on that tough face and, and just kind of, Accepting what, accepting what is given at the moment. That's uh, that's pretty pretty big for during the tattoo process. And uh, yeah,
0: I just want to stop you here, Cohen. uh, Just to say that I've sat with you for several hours, and I hope that I was one of your better clients. So
1: (laughs) you sat uh, three days in a row for multiple hours, and so definitely, Rob, you uh, (laughs) you're you're one of the people I still tell stories about. So. Whenever people ask about uh, long sittings and stuff like that, <laughs> so yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so anything after the after tattoo, the tattoo? Yep. Uh, I mean, common sense is is a great attribute for for healing a tattoo. So, you know, we've put all of the work in of creating the image and then putting it on your skin. So and and you've paid a good chunk of money for it. So hopefully, you know the. The week after, the 10 days, 14 days after you actually, you know, take a little care and, and don't abuse your your new fresh ink because that's, uh, yeah, then we just have to go back in and fix it if, if it's not taken care of. So, yeah, following your tattoo artist's instructions for aftercare and, and not stressing out about it too much, but just kind of using common sense and healing a, a minor wound, that's, that's always appreciated for sure.
0: So what's your recommendation on the aftercare,
1: quickly, Colin? Aftercare? Um, Yeah, every artist has, I'm sure you can go online and find tons of different aftercare uh, do's and don'ts, but mine falls somewhere into the spectrum, I think, of what a lot of artists are going to tell you. I I just usually going to tell my client to leave their bandage on for three to four hours after the tattoo. Um, If it's a bit longer, not a huge deal, but I like that kind of few hours to let it settle in. And then uh, once you take the bandage off, washing it with warm to hot kind of water, mild soap, lather up your hands, and just kind of scrub the tattoo. I always tell my clients, just wash it until it doesn't feel greasy anymore. Get all that blood, plasma, ointment, all that kind of stuff off. And uh, beyond that, you pat it dry with a clean towel, let it dry. And uh, I give it a little bit of aftercare ointment, tiny bit of that once or twice a day, and yeah, follow those instructions for the first three or four days, and uh, switch to a moisturizer beyond that. And again, yeah, common sense—that's usually the best indicator for uh, for a good heal.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, different people do different things. I steer away from the ointment myself. I go straight into the moisturizer, and it seems to work wonders for me. Just straight, uh, non-scented, just all-natural lotion. Yeah, which seems to work really well.
1: I've done that in the past as well. Um, like, I find climate can affect things. When I lived in Taiwan, I, I'd wash my tattoo probably three or four times a day just because it was so hot, sticky, and, you know, dirty like it was uh, a very polluted place so keeping it clean was was primary and I just did use a bit of moisturizer at that point recently I got a pretty good all-natural aftercare balm it's made by the wife of a tattooer so they kind of seem to know what they're putting into the product and that stuff I'm I'm really pleased with how the the aftercare has gone with that so yeah everyone finds their own way absolutely now let's
0: talk more about your time in taiwan and how mentorship has been such a big part of your journey can you talk about that mentorship and what it's meant in both your business
1: and your life cohen yeah i mean taiwan definitely was was a beginning point and and i have no idea if diawan even even really knows how much of a, a role he played in kind of setting me on that path um Do you still stay in touch with him or I haven't seen him in probably six years, seven years. Um, while I lived in Taiwan, I mean, we had become friends through, through broken Mandarin and broken English, right. As, as much as we could, my Mandarin was decent at the time to get a point across, but I definitely wasn't having, uh, super in-depth conversations and telling you what's what's in my heart through that language. So, I mean, we definitely had a relationship, but it wasn't, wasn't as deep as, you know, if communication would have been better, but he was definitely an inspiration just seeing, I think more so seeing how he carried himself and how he led his life as well as the kind of astounding tattoos he was creating. Um, I mean, it was in a country where tattoos were looked at negatively, right? They were associated with organized crime. So to have an individual kind of carry himself with with pride and dignity, and kind of pushing the perception of tattoos in that country—that that's definitely what I saw from Dian. Um, so yeah, I mean, that that was definitely an inspiration. Like not only. Not only the artwork, but look this this is someone that you can uh, model life after a little bit, right? So, so that was important, definitely. And then there's you know numerous other tattoo artists throughout my career that kind of crop up and and definitely have an impact, whether they they know it or not. Um, you know, just being around other artists who've been tattooing for 10, 20 years, you can you can always pick up some little secret even just through osmosis, just through watching and observing. So yeah, hopefully we're always, uh, growing and pushing towards something bigger.
0: Now, Cohen, you've taken inspiration from not only people, but other sources as well. So in as little or as much detail as you want, can you talk about the purpose of your trips to South America and what you've achieved with that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I've gone down, I mean, I've been to Peru four times now, but, uh, the last two times were, were definitely aimed at a a different experience. Um, yeah. So about two summers ago, so like 2014, I took the plunge and went down to, uh, to Peru to the temple of the way of light, which is an ayahuasca retreat. And, uh, yeah i I experienced plant medicine for the first time well, guided plant medicine for the first time I suppose and uh, yeah that uh, definitely changed some some things in my mind for sure. I mean I think leading up to going down there was was quite important as well for me like uh, I believe. I'm pretty sure I heard Terrence McKenna say at one point, you know, the if you're if you're planning to do something like this, the first trip you should take should be to the library. So, I mean, I spent probably two years uh, just researching ayahuasca and listening to podcasts and watching documentaries and devouring as many books as I can on, could on the subject, and it it definitely was a huge thing in my mind on a day-to-day basis but eventually it just hit a point where it was like okay I can I can think about this as much as I want and hypothesize and and wonder what it's like and and read other accounts and all that or I can finally just go and experience this myself so yeah I, I signed up for this retreat I think I had about six months to to scare the shit out of myself beforehand, like wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to change my name? Am I going to, you know, (laughs) grow my hair out and, and, and never want to come back. And, you know, is, is this the end of me as I know it? Like all of these very irrational fears, of course, arose. And and then finally you find yourself, you buy the ticket, you're suddenly in the jungle. You're, uh, it's it's nighttime, there's shamans singing in a language that you uh, don't understand. Part of it is not a language anyone understands, and uh, there you go, pitch black, and you have a little tiny cup of what's thought to be the most potent psychedelic in the world uh, right in front of you. So at that point, I, I don't think you're going to turn back if you've gotten all the way there, right? So, yeah, I... Uh, I think we did ayahuasca seven times over a 12-day span, and it was definitely life-changing. There's a, there's a degree that you can't really voice about it, I suppose, but uh, each, each individual time was different. Some of the times were quite intense for me, uh, visually, and just kind of information-loaded uh, journeys telling me about you know the nature of existence and my place in it and all of that other times were just much more gentle and and not as in-depth and a couple of the nights were just excruciatingly physically painful just uh yeah (laughs) it uh it has a way of working through you both ends I suppose so yeah that was kind of my my introduction to to that kind of Journey, I suppose. And uh, yeah, I didn't go down there with a specific ailment of, uh, you know, a lot of people go for different reasons, healing traumas of sorts, or some people attempting to heal physical ailments, all that kind of stuff. For me, it was very much just a curiosity and uh, wondering what else there is, I suppose.
0: I was just going to say, is there um, a, a blog or a website or a spot, Cohen, where you outline this in a little more detail that our listeners can uh, take a look
1: at? Or Yeah, my blog on my website, there's, there's a, the tab on my website for blog. So I definitely wrote a good few passages about that experience in there and kind of uh, outlined you know, each day, and took some journal entries and then wrote them down in my blog as well. There, and uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one to put into words, so but it but it's definitely one of the most kind of cherished experiences I think I've had in my life. There, there's not too many things that you do and then you think about every day after, and and I'd say, I mean, those experiences were. A couple of years ago now and and I still think about them daily so definitely had an impact in that regard
0: well so so interesting Cohen and I just want to say that uh, I think you mentioned it earlier you know without arming yourself with knowledge I think it can be sort of
1: dangerous practice to uh partake in this kind of stuff wouldn't you say or yeah I mean definitely from my perspective on it if you (laughs) if you just went down and you're looking for you know just looking for a good time, or or kind of that mentality of oh, I just want to trip my balls off and, and and whatever, have some funny story to tell. It's it's probably not going to work out that way for you. Uh, I think I think ayahuasca usually has a has a plan for for most of us, and we're we're going to get what it thinks we need out of it, as opposed to what we think we need. It's it's not something that you can really, uh, guide or force in any way, I suppose. And yeah, for me, Ayahuasca was very, very logical. It was very kind of information based and it it showed me things that definitely were not in my brain at the time. So it, it definitely felt like an external intelligence showing me something else about existence. Right. And, and it was definitely impactful, but Beyond that, I went back to Peru a second time um, last winter. No, two winters ago, I suppose. And I did a, another plant medicine called Huachuma, which is also known as San Pedro. So it's mescaline is kind of the, the active ingredient most of us would know by it, it by. And uh, yeah, this time I went to a place called Spirit Quest Sanctuary with a master shaman named Don Howard. He was a, an American fellow. And he's he's in his sixties, I believe. He's been a a shaman for fifty years of his life. So he started in his teens, essentially, and has followed that path. So that was an amazing experience. I I, I think that one probably had more of an impact even than the ayahuasca. Um, initially, the ayahuasca definitely set me on the path and and put me out of my comfort zone, but kind of this this next the next journey was uh was even more difficult to describe in words but more powerful in in kind of I don't know opening my heart and and showing me my place in in the world and uh and kind of dismissing most fears that I have I suppose and yeah it was uh it was a bit of a tumultuous time. Uh, I had a relationship that was ending and ended very shortly after I got back from that journey. Um, but I think for the both of us, that was a necessary thing. So in a way, I think that journey gave me the power to kind of see that and, and, and things that weren't going to be beneficial, um, in the long run. And, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's a, it's an ineffable quality that, uh, trying to describe to you here is is i know i'm doing it a very very vague disservice at the moment
0: (laughs) i've certainly heard through uh other accounts that uh yeah the psychedelic experience can be a hard one to describe absolutely cohen thanks for that thanks for opening up and getting personal about some of that stuff and i think you've given us uh, some enlightening uh information about ayahuasca and sorry what was the other one san pedro right
1: Yeah, Wachumo is the the name that uh, Don Howard gives it. It's, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not for everyone, but it's, uh, for those that want it, it's, um, you'll find your way there, I suppose.
0: Cohen, do you love to win or hate to lose, and why?
1: I think it's, yeah, it's going to fall on the hate to lose end, for sure, Um, and I think that would be... That would be rooted more in insecurity than anything else, right? I think, I think that could be a driving factor where you're uh, you're always trying to be kind of beyond reproach, um, so excelling at things so that people can't pick holes in you. I suppose that I think that's been a driving factor in most things I've done in life. Uh, it, it's not for accolade or external you know reward it's it's much more from uh, a place of maybe I'm not good enough maybe maybe this isn't good enough. so so you push yourself to be better.
0: Do you have any uh, specific morning routine that you want to share with our
1: listeners? Morning routine. Um, most is yeah, I try to I try to exercise before work. Um, so. I'd say the last 8 to 10 months, I've, I've been running uh, probably 4 or 5 days a week. So I usually wake up and uh, almost immediately head out for a run. I usually do about 10 kilometers a day. And uh, that definitely sets me up for uh, having more energy throughout my day. I mean, I'm going to spend 8 hours sitting tattooing, so getting up and being active. Kind of in the morning is is definitely important. Uh, clears my head, wakes me up, and and gets me ready for my day. That's probably the biggest one for sure. Anything you're doing specifically to wind down after a long or stressful day? Nothing specific, um, but yeah, it is. I probably should should have something because that that process of. Uh, of being so focused all day and then like, shifting back into to normal life, it's it's definitely not the easiest thing. And uh, uh, I probably find myself being a little a little edgier by the end of my day. Not towards my clients, but uh, I'm sorry, Lauren, maybe she gets the brunt of that at times. You know, yeah. you're hungry, you're you tired, and I think you just need to shut down for half an hour before kind of reengaging with the world. So maybe I do need to figure out something to do on that end too.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Are there any specific influencers that you follow online or otherwise for motivation and inspiration cone?
1: I mean, there's just so many, uh, as far as, as like Instagram is, it's all tattoos in my Instagram feed. So every day, like I was talking about earlier, just the, the caliber of work in the world. It's, it's huge. And, uh, So just as I scroll through that constantly, I have definitely inspired to to try to keep up. And uh, I can't really say there's anyone specifically coming to mind at the moment. It's just there's so many amazing artists out there at the moment.
0: Now, Cohen, boil it down for us. What is the one thing you want to share with our listeners about succeeding in business like you have?
1: I mean, for me, I definitely came at it from... Not from the business standpoint, just from the trying to do what I love standpoint. So, so first and foremost, I think it was yeah finding finding that one thing and uh, going going at it as hard as you can, I suppose, and uh, finding what you love and 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 doing it even if it doesn't seem rewarding initially. Continuing on, kind of pushing past that that beginning point where there is going to be a lot more uh a lot more holding you back
0: sure i think there's this romantic view of what you know the end product's going to look like when you first start your business but i
1: think we forget there is that journey along the way right yeah definitely it's uh and and even i think everything's kind of a romantic view from the external like everyone is always oh it must be so great to be self-employed and and it is great. And, and being your own boss and having, having no one that's going to be telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that is, is great. But, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you you now have all of that responsibility, right? So it's, it's different from both perspectives for sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, Cohen, this has been absolutely great. If people want to learn more about you and your business, or if they want to get tattooed by you, how can they find you?
1: Uh, my website is cohenflock.com, so it's C-O-H-E-N-F-L-O-C-H dot com. Uh, Instagram is Cohen Flock tattoo, and you can find me on Facebook as well. And yeah, um, I'm in Vancouver at the moment. My schedule is full until I depart from here, and then I'm going to be tattooing in Victoria full-time from December onward, so... That's where I'm going to be if anyone is, is in the market for, for a tattoo, for sure.
0: CohenFlock.com, folks. Go there now. Cohen, this has been a great, enlightening chat today. Thank you for freeing up the time to join us on Bidzy Small Business Society. We'll catch up soon. You take care, my friend. Thanks, Rob. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to bizzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at bizzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bizzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bizzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a 5-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and 5-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bizzy Small Business Society today.